I love my job almost every single day now. It's just, it's so enjoyable. And I feel so much more competent because it's with traditional methods and traditional resources, it's such an uphill battle and such a struggle and such hard work to try to accomplish all that needs to be accomplished. Welcome to the Get More Math podcast, where we support teachers in their quest for long-term student gains. This is a podcast for teachers to share their passion for math education, learn best practices from experts in the field, and swap ideas for student success. This is community. This is Get More Math. Hello. Welcome back to the Get More Math podcast. I'm Josh Britton, your host. And today we're speaking with math teacher Rita Sponnenberg. This season, we're talking to math teachers about what it's like to be a math teacher and what it's like to use Get More Math. Well, so, so Rita, um, maybe you could start just by telling me a little bit about how you got into mathematics. Okay, well, when I was in high school, first of all, I graduated from high school in 1979, so I am turning 60 in March. Um, I sometimes have to stop and like, wow, I can't believe I'm that old. Hmm. But um, when I graduated from high school, I went to college to be an elementary school teacher. And even though I did really well with math in high school, for some reason, that was not something that I, that I thought that I wanted to do. I wanted to work with little kids to help save the world. Hmm. Well, throughout my college career, I changed my mind. I, I didn't want to be locked in a classroom with small children all day long, five days a week. Um, and so I finished with, I got a degree in elementary education without certification, but I did recognize that all the courses that I had in college that had anything to do with math or were mathematical or logic in nature, I loved. Mm. And so I decided maybe I should turn my, my attentions to math, but it wasn't, but I didn't turn to teaching math. i was thinking along the lines of computer programming because that was the hot thing back then. Um, and I went to a community college after I graduated from East Stroudsburg. I went to a local community college, took some computer programming um, courses, but then actually settled. I was also working like a number of jobs while I was doing that. And I just turned to, I just wanted to work. I just wanted to have a life and I wanted to, to just work. And so I stopped with the computer programming also, eventually got married and eventually became a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Um, when we ran into financial difficulty, I went back to school, but not to finish the elementary education. I said, no, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to at least get certified to teach something that I love. And I got into math, secondary ed then at that point. So then I actually only started teaching when I was 42. So this is my 18th year teaching math. I, I love how, how widely varied everybody's like adult path ends up being. There are people, mm -hmm. I guess, who get out of high school, go straight to teacher school, get their certificates and start teaching when they're 21. But uh, mm -hmm. as I've talked to more and more people, it seems like people come to the profession all kinds of ways. So that's that's great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have touch points there, like that computer programming thing. When I was about the same age, you know, uh, I, I guess probably a couple years out of high school, I was torn. I was like, should I be a computer programming, like engineer type geek? Because uh, 10 years later, well, we're like about a decade apart. It was still the going thing. Like, wow, you could be a programmer and 
know, move to San Francisco Bay Area and like write code with some, you know, I want to say upstart. Startup is probably a better way to say it. Start, startup mm-hmm. company. And uh, instead, I became a history major. I don't know. I, I can't remember exactly all of the logic or if logic really came to bear. Uh, mm-hmm. But eventually, I ended up teaching math with sort of funny, long series of things. So um, that's really interesting. So when you finally started getting in the classroom and teaching math, um, mm-hmm. how did it suit you? It was kind of an experiment, right? <laughs> yes, it was, and actually, it was it was not so great because there were because of the time span between when I was in the classroom mm. and when I was back in as a as a teacher. Um, education had changed, society had changed, the kids. I, it, I, there were a lot of differences in the kids and their expectations and their behavior that I was not prepared for. And, um, yeah, it, it was a struggle for, for a number of years. So was it more about the social mores than it was about the communicating mathematics? Yes. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. But also I did not get, I had lower level kids, so they weren't even, you know, the math was not something that carried it like beyond their behavior or anything. Um, They weren't interested a whole lot in math. You know, I would get a few good kids here and there, but by and large, they were not the upper level math kids, they were very low level in some cases. And so it just was an all the way around struggle. Uh, That reminds me of something I loved about the school I taught at most of my career, where they gave the new people some of the better classes. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I say better, I mean the kids that are kind of, they walk in the room and they're already kind of pretty self-controlled and they have a lot of expectations kind of already ingrained so they're going to sit down and be like, okay, what are we learning? I want to get an A, you know? Uh, yes. And then they gave the more experienced or veteran teachers some of the most challenging classes because those are the classes that take the most experience. Like how do you motivate a kid who comes in with a history of failure and discouraged about learning and, uh, you know, um, yes. just yes. Has, has all these, uh, now they, at least for me, the kids would be like 14 or 15. How do you turn that, that momentum around and light them up for, um, you know, being aimed at success. So anyway, that's something I was proud of of at that school. It wasn't like, well, if you're the new person, you get the full slate of all the most challenging classes. But I've seen the the pattern, I think you're maybe indicating a lot. It's really common, which seems kind of, I don't know, backwards. Mm -hmm. I agree. It makes sense at the school that you're referring to that they would choose to do it that way. What did you end up, like, what grade levels did you end up teaching? High school, mostly, like, sophomores, juniors, a lot of geometry. That's pretty much been my staple. Um, A little bit of algebra, and it was always really low-level algebra. Um, I had a couple of opportunities to teach in Algebra 2, you know, a few sporadic years here and there, but it's mostly low-level algebra and a lot of geometry. So you've been teaching, I'm going to focus in on low-level algebra because that's my super-duper favorite. Um, Mm -hmm. You've been teaching that now for on again, off again for 18 years. 18 years. Um, how, How is the arc of how you've taught it, how you connect with kids, how's that changed? Well... It's it. (laughs) 
I'd like to say it was on its way to improving prior to Get More Math, but mm, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I think I just learned a little better how to accept them and where they were coming from and not push to expect more than I could really expect from them. Mm -hmm. Great. One of the things like in response to the question about like, what was the most surprising thing was when I first started using it. And I don't know if it was like four or five years ago, we we were, our school was using it on the free trial basis. um, And I only used it for the second half of the year. I had been into it for a little while. And one of the things that I started to notice was it, felt like the Get More Math provided a little bit of a buffer between me and the kids when they got frustrated and upset with the with the math that they were working on they got upset with Get More Math not me <laughs> And so, and so I, yeah, I was in a position to become more of like an ally to them against get more math. Like I was on their side because of the fact that when they, I know this, they're telling me it's wrong and I know it's right. And I would help them figure out what happened. I was their support person. I was their ally. I was their friend. It was get more math that was showing them that little red light Mm. and telling them that they were wrong, not me. You've used Get More Math four or five years, mm-hmm. and uh, that first year, that first half year, maybe you can mm-hmm. comment on what it was like to start using our system halfway through the year. Yeah, it was. Um, it it was challenging, mostly I think in the grading aspect. I just wasn't sure how to incorporate their work on Get More Math into grading after I had had a system for grading for so long. Um, I know that the teacher that first started with Get More Math in our district and eventually presented it to us, um, she was her daily point goal was something that went in her grade book. And I was uncomfortable with that for, for a couple of reasons. I, I didn't, I really wanted the kids to not be agonizing over having to get those if they were genuinely struggling with understanding the material. Um, Plus, I was concerned about te- or about cheating. I, I, and I only now am starting to get a little more, more comfortable with not worrying about how much they might be cheating. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't want them leaving my classroom and handing their iPad to somebody else to get all their points and right. me giving them credit for it. So that was a big struggle for me. I wanted them to be doing their work in the classroom where I could see that it was them doing the work. Um, and then I was basically just giving credit for doing the work. What, what my system had been was to visually check that they did their homework and they got two points per day whenever they had work to show me. And so I kind of transitioning into get more math, I kind of stuck with that. You know, they had an assignment and if they didn't get all the points, but they tried like on the old, um, uh, What's the, what was the, we call it's the now Java, online, the Java, app. the Java app. That's what we were using initially. Um, they had the option to be able to check to see how many problems they actually did, like how many points they got right. out of how many actual attempts in any particular assignment. And I used that a lot because I thought, okay, this kid only got 
seven out of the 15 points, but look how many problems he actually had to go through. So he technically was doing his work. Um, and I gave credit for that. So it's fun that you mentioned that to me because one of our big initiatives this fall has been to try to catch up to that old system that you just mentioned and deliver uh-huh. it again, but now via the, the web application. Um, mm-hmm. Not exactly the same, but mm-hmm. but similar so that you'll be able to see once again per assignment, not just did they finish it or how many points did they get, but um, but also how many errors did they fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they got it wrong and then they fixed it and they didn't get the point, at least you'll be able to see, well, this child put in a good effort and eventually got some points, but really like she finished twice as many problems as she finished on her first try. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's coming back. Uh, It's one of those, it's one of the ones that we're sad to see go. Like we had to let the Java app go Mm -hmm. before we wanted to, you know, like Mm -hmm. the the technical aspects of it have been really difficult. Um, So that, that was that first half year. Um, yes. And you heard about it, sounds like, from another teacher at your building? Yes. It first it first came across my principal's radar as a tool for improving our Keystone scores. So that's, that's what she wanted it for, really. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was constantly watching to see if it was working. And she wasn't really open to, to hearing all the other wonderful mm. benefits of this program if it wasn't jacking up our Keystone scores. Um, and when I first actually went to the math department meeting where Carolyn, the other math teacher who initially went to the first training, and I think started using it a little bit before she presented it to us. When I went to that meeting, I went with the attitude of like, yeah, yeah, okay, mm. show me another magic bullet program that's going to solve all our program our problems because I was a little bit anti-technology and probably still am as far as as far as technology in education. Um, mo- a lot of the technology and the programs that are designed to assist with teaching, not just in the math field. They, I, there's something being lost. The responsibility of the student himself to actually learn the material somehow is getting lost. Honestly, if I had my way, the best thing we could do for math education in this country is chuck the calculators out the windows. Um, but anyway, the first thing that I saw when she presented this program that made me open more to wanting to investigate this and see what it was all about was how it presents one problem at a time. They're not overwhelmed looking at a chunk of 15, 20 problems in their textbook. One problem at a time, and if they get it wrong, they don't get another problem. That, to me, was brilliant. Because in the traditional means of teaching, you know, they get their practice problems and they struggle through them. They potentially could do them all wrong. And what's happening then is they're learning the wrong way to do it. Right. And then the next day when I go over the answers and I beg them, does anybody have any questions? Please don't be afraid to ask. They're high school kids and they're low-level math high right. school kids. They, they're not going to ask questions. They don't care. They want me to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so not only does it prevent that, get more math prevents them from learning it the wrong way, it also forces them to ask for help. It's that that all by itself 
without even considering all the other benefits of the program, to me, was something worth looking into. I love it that you finger that that particular aspect. Um, you know, so when I wrote it, uh, I had this, the same objectives that you have, and getting kids to slow down and actually think things through and need to get the answer right and prevent them from that long streak of getting something wrong just to get it done. To show yes. me, I always say, like, to show me a piece of paper with a bunch of pencil scratches on it, which just, you know, speaking of copying, who knows if they were looking at somebody else's paper when they did it or they were just yes. mindlessly yeah. repeating steps that don't actually work. And, you know, I don't have mm -hmm. time to check 160 oh, exactly. kids' papers every day. So homework review used to be one of the hardest parts of teaching math. I mean, I had a lot of tools. Mm -hmm. And it became, for me, it became kind of the easiest um, yeah. once, once I got this. But I love it that you finger that specific spot. If you get it wrong, it just sits there. And I always like to say, too, if you log off and log back on, guess what's on your screen? You know, <laughs> it's like the same thing. Like, you, you actually have to learn to do the math. Yes, yes. Um, it's funny, too, when I'm first showing the program to somebody brand new, that little mm -hmm. piece is sometimes hard to get across because it's, it's a simple thing. And I can say the sentence, if you get it wrong, you have to keep working on it till you get it right. And then you get a new mm -hmm. one. Uh, mm -hmm. But but so like it's, it's like a five second sentence. But I always want to kind of somehow lift it up out of the rest of the words I'm saying. And say, did you hear what I just said? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. But I almost feel like it's not till somebody uses it and they start to experience what that's like. The, the, the mm -hmm. increase in accountability um, or in your case, the... Uh, the warfare uh, metaphor, like kids are like, yeah. like yeah, this is making me get the math right. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm still cycling back to your ally. Like, I love that you came alongside you like that program. Hmm. Let's let's deal with that mean program or whatever. We would like to invite all of our listeners to visit our website at GetMoreMath.com, where you'll find helpful information about how Get More Math can help you transform the math education experience through targeted mastery and cyclical review. We welcome you to take advantage of our free trial for the 2021 school year. Find more information about the free trial at GetMoreMath.com. Now, back to the show. So... My usage of Get More Math has changed drastically since the pandemic. Um, when we shut down in March and had to teach virtually for our fourth marking period, I was already using Get More Math for my Algebra 1A class and for my Keystone class. I had a Keystone class that I was using it for, and actually that was the class that I loved the most, even though it was kind of the least important because it was just a remedial math class that we were obligated to provide to the kids to show that we're, you know, doing something to try to improve their keystone scores. So had they, had they um, just to be clear, had they, like, I'm going to say failed their initial yes. sort of ninth grade or algebra keystone test, and now they had to take Correct. it again? Okay. Correct. So they had that, yes, they had to be put into a remedial keystone course in order to try. And we had been having those for a number of years. I had taught them for a number of years without Get More Math. And it's very, very frustrating because it's just a semester long course. Mm -hmm. And it's so difficult to cover all the potential difficulties and target each student's own weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not all weak in the same thing. It's almost an impossible task. Um, so what I had done, I'm kind of off topic. I was starting to tell how it's changed since the pandemic, but I really, really, really loved how I was using it with that Keystone course. 
I found those the Keystone remediation button. I didn't find it. Uh, I was at a webinar, or not a webinar, at an actual training with Pam Long, and she was introducing that to us. And she actually sent us a copy of all the 80 skills. Like it, it, uh, it said where to go in the problem bank to find all the mm-hmm. 80 skills. So I actually ran through all the 80 skills myself first. I opened up a dummy account and I did them all to see what it, what it was. And then what I did was broke it down into eight groups of 10 and I set up classes, like eight different classes. So, so when my Keystone group started, we they were all in group one, which was called Keystone one to 10. And it had the first 10 skills in it. Nice. So I put the skills in there. I immediately set it on mixed review and they came into class and just started working. I prepared handouts, like packets yeah. of information for them, notes, and even examples that I printed off from Get More Math of all the skills that were the 10 skills that were in that group. So when they came in, so I arranged it so that they worked on a group of 10 skills for two weeks. Nice. So in the first marking period, there's nine weeks. So I have like a week of wiggle room when we cover the first 40 skills. And then the second half, we cover the other 40 skills. So they just come in and sit down and start working on their own independently. And I plant myself in a student desk with a student desk beside me for anybody mm-hmm. who needs help. And they were using the raise hand feature and I was busy from bell to bell mm-hmm. in that Keystone class, but it was great because it was doing nothing but constantly helping them Wonderful. do their work. And there was a constant stream of numbers in, you know, on my teacher account showing who's next, who's next. And it was always like four five, six kids Wonderful. wanting help. Yeah. yeah. It was so, I, I loved it. Um, and so I think I'm using it more that way this year now, okay. but the funny thing is it's not, I'm not teaching algebra at all this year. It's all geometry. Hmm. And I am so grateful to my principal to that uh, decided to allow me to use get more math mm-hmm. in my geometry classes. Cause she was resistant in initially. She just wanted this being used for algebra scores. Um, but because of the pandemic, we, had to do this remote learning. We had to continue attempting to reach the kids during the fourth marking period. And you guys allowed us to just go ahead and open new accounts for anybody who we weren't even using them for. So I set all my geometry classes that I had last year up on Get More Math during that shutdown and got them going. And there's so much material. Mm -hmm. Like I I have not yet looked for something in the geometry curriculum that I haven't found. Wonderful. And yeah, it's, I was so excited. And then the other thing that the pandemic did was for years, I knew about the flipped classroom concept. Mm -hmm. But I never wanted to learn the technology necessary to make that happen. And the pandemic forced me to learn that technology, how to make the instructional videos. And before the fourth marking period ended and not knowing what was going to happen with the pandemic for this school year, I made the decision then that 
it doesn't matter what happens. I'm doing a flipped classroom this wow. year for all my classes because now I know the technology necessary for making the instructional videos. And so I kind of like begged her, like at the beginning of the summer, it was like, look, there is so much on this for geometry also. And it would be so valuable if we're still dealing with the pandemic, please, please, please. Mm. Like I, I was saying, look, I am willing to do the legwork to get funding if we need to do that. Whatever it takes, I want get more math for all my classes, including geometry. So it turns out that I only have geometry and I'm using get more math and I'm using it now this year more like the way it's supposed to be used, I think more so than I ever have in years past. Um, they are absolutely working the majority of their time in mixed review. I've become comfortable with only giving a small amount of points for a new wow, practice set. Great. Yeah. And, and letting them get immediately into mixed review because I've, because I've learned that it will definitely keep giving them those skills, mm -hmm. those newly open skills. Um, I want to say maybe for any teachers that are listening, one of the most helpful things that I did to get comfortable with it was actually work the program from a student perspective. And it was mostly with that that bank of 80 skills for the Keystone remediation that I was able to do that. I, I became a lot more familiar with exactly how it works for the kids and what they're seeing. And, and the fact that it also bumps them back down levels in their proficiency colors, like for some, I don't know why it doesn't make sense that it wouldn't do that. But for some reason, I was always thinking, okay, look at this kid. This kid, this kid's been cheating his way through and he has gold stars. That's not right. But he, when he starts tripping up, he will mm -hmm. be bumped back. Like I did, yeah. I discovered that with those 80 skills, once I got gold stars in all of them, I stopped picking up my own iPad to, to keep working through them. Um, and then, so there was a gap and my Keystone class was still going on. And I just out of curiosity picked it up. I was like, run through these again, just so you're familiar with the way Get More Math is wanting you to enter answers and stuff like that. So you're prepared to help the kids, not just with the with the material itself, the math content, but how does Get More Math want you to enter this answer? Um, I picked up my iPad, answered a linear equation question, and although I had the right answer, I entered it real quickly and hit my green check mark, and my finger tapping didn't take for something, mm -hmm. and I had a, and it was wrong, and I was shocked, and it bumped me all the way back down to yellow. Shocking. <laughs> so yeah, how about that? And it was because of the length of time yeah. that had passed since I had picked it up prior to that. And it was like, oh, you know, okay, I get it. So it was, it, it gives me, it gave me a lot more insight into yeah. what the kids are dealing with. So it sounds like if you were to give advice to somebody, I think maybe you said it this way, like who's just starting out, you're like, if you want to succeed, here's something to do. You'd say, be a kid. Log in as a kid, yes. do the work as a kid, and I couldn't agree more. Like that's that's probably one of the best ways to make sure you actually know. You know, it's it's 
it's easy to make assumptions and it's not until you actually kind of put your fingers on the keyboard uh, and do it yourself that you really find out what the kid's experience is like. And, and hey, if you do enough problems, you can start playing some games too. I mean, you know, yes. or you could get yourself on the, um, you know, the high scoreboards. <laughs> yes, Mot yes. Kids get motivated by seeing teachers' names on the high scoreboards. Um, yes. Well, that's, that's funny. That speaking too, as the guy that wrote the algorithm that bumped you from the gold star down to yellow. I'll tell you uh -huh. the why behind that is the, the, the level, if you will, the color, sort of red, yellow, mm -hmm. green, black with silver star, black with gold star, is supposed to indicate our confidence that your next attempt, the one after your current problem, you will get it right on your first try. So we're yes. trying to talk about um, your retention, really, and, and measure your retention. So if you get a gold star problem wrong after it's been sitting idly for a month, our confidence that you'll get your next problem right goes down dramatically. We think, oh, wait yes. a minute. Now, if you get a few more and you start getting it right, you'll actually go up faster than it, like it'll be easier to get then back the to the gold time. star mm -hmm. than it was originally. But um, yes. yeah, that's, that's one of the things I actually really kind of, I don't know, did some nail biting over that. Like, is this a good idea? Because you don't want to frustrate kids by like demoting them. But um, I, I landed on it just because you also don't want to falsely indicate long-term retention if you have data that indicates it's not there. Correct. Yes. No, I agree. I, I have no problem with it doing that. And it made me more comfortable because there it was a couple years ago, there was we have the, we have one to one technology and so all the kids have their own school issued iPads. And so at the beginning of the year when we get working, what always takes a long time, and I'm not quite sure why, is for our technology department to get Apple Classroom up and running where I can actually see what they're doing mm -hmm. on their iPads, which was a problem for me when they were testing. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, before before Apple Classroom was was go was available for me, I had to just position myself where I could see their iPads. And there was one particular boy that I remember thinking, oh, wow, look at all his gold stars. And I know that mm -hmm. he's not that, he's not really that good. And it, it bothered me because I just was assuming he was there, therefore he was going to stay there. And then when I started realizing that, no, no, they're going to be moving up and down through these colors as necessary. That's a really good thing. Yeah, well, that's that's a good point, especially with somebody who's all their data is indicating somebody else's work or a, yeah. you know, a website work or something like that. So let's go back to your Keystone Algebra sort of retesting class. You, mm -hmm. you, you got to a point where I thought, I, I'd like to know a little bit more. You, ha you said you had eight sort of get more math classes, each of which had 10 problems in mixed review. Yes. And when the kids first came in, they logged in. What was on their screen was mixed review. Like they, they, weren't, they weren't doing assignments. They were just working their way through mixed review. And you had all these Correct. independent units um, to, for them to work through to refresh their memory because they've taken algebra before. This isn't the first time they've seen yeah. this material, but they didn't know it. So yeah. my question is, what happened next? Like how... How did, did you, if a kid sort of was showing some gains or mastery on the first set of 10, did you have that kid start logging into the next class? Is that what happened? Well, 
So they worked on each group of 10 for two weeks and tested on that group of 10 at the end of the two weeks. And then we moved to the next group of 10. Now, initially, when I set this plan up, my intention was also to have all the same students from that class um, in a keystone remediation class Mm -hmm. where it would have been set on those 80 skills to be opened up for them the way it was originally intended to open up. Um, So that once they were in the second or third or fourth or whatever group, um, they could always switch classes to the remediation class where they'd all be there so that they could continue cycling through them. That was my way of still bringing back the previous group of 10 skills, but quite frankly, we never really got to work it that way because yeah, yeah, there just wasn't enough time. Right. And and that, that last sentence, I I know that sentence. Well, (laughs) there's never enough time for all of your plans and ambitions, right? (laughs) The other thing that I'm incorporating with my grade to balance it all out is a weekly proficiency grade that considers any skill that was opened up during like not so like if I enter a proficiency grade on the weekend the week that just passed any skills that were opened up then are not counted so I just look at all the skills so it's actually and it's not a percentage it's actually the count however many skills had been opened up prior to that week and however many they have achieved green or better um, that's going in on a weekly basis as a proficiency skill or a grade. Okay. And then twice a marking period, I'm going to be entering the percentage overall accuracy um, as a as a grade also to try to round yeah. things out and balance it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a nice, that's, and that's interesting. I'm very happy with the way it's working out. I was initially worried that it was going to be skewed too high for everybody because if they just keep pushing and pushing, get those daily scores, then everybody's going to have 100%. But when I kept looking at my grade book, there is a normal distribution Isn't of grades. Isn't that amazing? That thing, that normal mm-hmm. distribution just shows up everywhere, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it does mean that you've, you've found a way to really uh, differentiate. Um, mm-hmm. That's I. That's the first time I've heard that grading system. Those three elements mixed together. What mm-hmm. what weight do you put on the three pieces? They kind of weigh themselves. It's all just points. So oh, so their their daily point goal goes in. Like if it's fifteen twenty, sometimes it's really small. Like when I open up, we we just got through both segment edition postulate and angle edition postulate with algebra, mm. they they take time. They're time consuming. So when I open those up for the first time, there's, you know, the practice, the new practice set is only set at three points, but their whole total daily point goal might be five, yeah. you know, for that day. But then it starts climbing. And I don't think lately my goal for them has been higher than 20. Okay. Um, so that that's you know a daily thing that goes in and plus I require them to work on the weekend. Um this weekend is the first weekend that I have that I've given them a break because our marking period just end 
ended. My grades were just due yesterday and we have parent-teacher conferences on Monday. Mm -hmm. So it was like, thank you guys for working so hard all this semester. You you get a long weekend off. Have a, have a good weekend. We're getting back to work on Tuesday. Um, so, so that goes in just as points. And then, like I said, the um, proficiency mm -hmm. is pure points. It's just the count of the skills. And then the accuracy is whatever the percentage was out of a hundred points. So I like it. I, I could see, I could totally see doing that. My, I always had, I never did that. Both the second two metrics are intriguing to me. Um, I think they would motivate different behaviors, right? Kids are a little bit coin operated. So if you, mm -hmm. if you target proficiency, well, now maybe they're going to start doing problems that don't even have a dollar sign sometimes just because they want another green. And I think that might be good in your scenario. You're like, you're trying to promote widespread proficiency. And then yes. if, if there's a, a grade attached to accuracy, well, probably that's going to promote accuracy, you know? Uh, so, right, so right, that's nice. right. I like, I like promoting both of those things. So that's, that's, that sounds like a really well-rounded system. And I, th I think it's doing a good job of balancing it all off because, because some of some kids there, I have one girl who, oh my gosh, she does so many problems every day. I think she just likes, it's like a game or something, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so she's getting a hundred percent of the daily points, but her accuracy is not really that good. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be fair to let, to allow that grade to stand as, you know, a tip top hundred percent grade yeah. when she's really not, doesn't really know the material that well. Huh. Um, but that doesn't, that obviously doesn't pull her off because she keeps bugging through and keeps doing lots and lots of problems. So the day reaching those daily point goals is kind of like her grade for effort. I don't have to give an extra grade for effort. Right. She's getting it herself because she's working so hard. And then if she's grade conscious, she she could figure out, like, well, why isn't the grade maybe going up as high as she might think? And maybe she could start aiming for some of those other pieces. I like it. The only other thing that I have on my notes that I don't think we covered was Get More Math's ability to target individual students and differentiate and provide instruction for each individual student as needed. It is incredible. The requirements on the part of the state as far as what they want us to be doing in our classrooms using traditional methods and traditional resources, it is almost an impossible task to you know, separate each of your kids individually and meet each kid's needs. It becomes not just easy, but enjoyable and effective with Get More Math. The, the testing ability, even though I'm not testing this year, I have used it in the past. And the fact that it immediately can create a follow-up test from that follow-up test, you can push a button and print as many practice problems for the questions that are going to be on the follow-up test for a kid. It is just incredible. I love it so much. As I said before, I just can't say enough good things about it. I always say, whenever I'm talking to a stranger about it, I always say, I wish I had created it. It is what technology should be being used for in the world of education. <laughs> Rita, what you just said, just it warmed my heart. You know, like I, it's so deeply encouraging to me to hear 
some, you know, I've never met you and this is the first time we've chatted and to hear mm -hmm. that uh, something I made has really helped you help kids. Like, uh, it makes me, it's, it's, I find it massively encouraging. So thank you for supplying that. Oh, well, you're welcome. And thank you. It, it, I love my job mm. almost every single day now. It's mm. just, it's so enjoyable. It's so enjoyable. And I feel so much more competent because it's with, traditional methods and traditional resources. It's such an uphill battle and such a struggle and such hard work to try to accomplish all that needs to be accomplished. Yeah, I'm thinking about your phrase, traditional methods, traditional resources, and modern expectations. Yes. Sort of like an interesting clash there, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, taking time to... Uh, chat about your practices and about get more math as i said before i i love podcasting partly because i like to have an, a nice conversation get it out there let people have something to think about but i also love it just because it's so fun to hear how people are using get more math and and very like you've blessed me with uh, your stories and i appreciate that thanks for listening to the get more math podcast drop us a comment and let us know what you thought about this episode you can always connect with us at getmoremath.com. Have a great day.